Hey everybody, it is Tuesday, August 22nd. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwinunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. So Mosh, the very, very hot and humid weather has returned to the New York area after what felt like two or three weeks of just blissful summer weather. And it was very bizarre because we were getting this incredible weather while, as we've been talking about in this podcast, so much of the rest of the country has been just dealing with floods and fires and excessive heat. And the New York region was really doing well uh, until today. For a day, uh, that you should know, Jill, it goes back in the low 80s. I, I almost feel guilty talking about this because we'll be talking about what the rest of the country is experiencing. But you you know they always have that second final hot wave. So right. don't get too comfortable too quickly. We're probably going to have some last gasp of uh, summer very soon. Enjoy it while it's good. Yeah, it's getting very unpredictable. I mean, literally that image, uh, I think we included in the newsletter on Monday of a tropical storm symbol over Los Angeles. You're like, is this real? This can happen? Uh, And in fact, it did. And we will talk about it in this pod. All right. Well, with that, let's get to the headlines. Hillary's record rainfall drenched the California desert and is now threatening Oregon and Idaho. And another storm's already brewing, which could hit Texas. Meanwhile, the Bidens visit Maui fire survivors to mixed reception. In health news, the FDA approves the first RSV vaccine given to pregnant mothers to protect their babies. And remember COVID? Yep, health officials say it is still here and they're tracking three new variants. Now to Donald Trump's latest legal troubles in Georgia. A judge has set his bond at $200,000 and ordered him not to send threatening social media messages ahead of the trial. And a grim statistic, firearm deaths among children in the United States hit a new high in 2021. And in some lighter news, Rihanna has welcomed her second baby with ASAP Rocky. Plus, Mosh has on this day in history. Jill, when the British arrived on Long Island, uh, we'll tell you about that story as they uh, faced off against George Washington. And uh, some history for Diana Ross and Jay-Z today. Long Island, we're good for something, Mosh. (laughs) Okay, let's start with all the weather that we're tracking across the U.S. right now. Hillary, the first tropical storm to hit Southern California in more than 80 years, moved north on Monday, but not before sweeping some people into rivers, toppling trees onto homes, pushing boulders onto roads and flooding highways. The massive system prompted flood watches and warnings in more than half a dozen states. There were numerous reports of washed out roads, water rescues from flooded homes and cars across California and Nevada. The National Hurricane Center downgraded Hillary to a post-tropical storm on Monday morning, but warned that, quote, continued life-threatening and locally catastrophic flooding was expected over portions of the southwestern U.S., along with record-breaking rainfall. There was the potential of flooding in states as far north as Oregon and Idaho. Remnants of the storm are expected to linger at least through this morning. So far, thankfully, it appears that most people have heeded warnings and there were no deaths, serious injuries, or extreme damage uh, that have been reported. Although officials do warn, risks still remain, especially in the desert and mountainous regions because of swollen waterways and the wet hillsides that could unleash mudslides. So meanwhile, down in the Gulf of Mexico, we have a tropical depression that has strengthened and is on track to become Tropical Storm Herald and hit South Texas today, bringing potential for heavy rain, gusty winds, some coastal flooding. The current forecast, 
has the storm continuing west and set to make landfall somewhere between Brownsville and Corpus Christi. You'll probably have details on that depending on when you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday. Meanwhile, out in Maui, we're tracking the situation out there. We're now two weeks removed from those deadly wildfires. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden arrived in Maui on Monday evening to comfort survivors of the devastating wildfires that ripped through that western part of the island. It does come as the administration is trying to respond to the devastation and has received some criticism from local residents. The Bidens interrupted what is a week-long vacation for them in Lake Tahoe, uh, California, took a five-hour flight to Lahaina. That's the town of 13,000 that was entirely destroyed by those flames. They met with first responders. Uh, They were briefed by state and local officials. They did a flyover. They were met with some protests, though, signs uh, with the, quote, you're late, and another one that read, actions speak louder than words. Uh, There have been criticism on the ground there that they felt that the president's rhetoric was insufficient, that the response wasn't quick enough. Uh, We should note that the White House was waiting on the governor of Hawaii for permission to come. They didn't want to distract from the rescue effort. They didn't want to take uh, security personnel away to secure the president that needed to go to the response. So that is why it took two weeks for the president arrived. As far as the White House is concerned, as far as the numbers right now, more than 100 dead. They're still searching the rubble. About 15% of the homes and properties left. There are still just over 800 people on the missing list. They are hopeful, though, that the list initially was 2,000, now down to 850. And there are more than 10,000 people that lack telecommunications right now on the islands. Uh, Some people who haven't updated authorities about reunions. So they're hopeful that the number won't go up too high. But uh, again, 850, that's still a significant number of people missing two weeks out. A major announcement from the FDA on Monday. The agency has approved the first RSV vaccine for expectant mothers aimed at protecting their newborn babies. Pfizer's new shot would be given during the third trimester of pregnancy. It's called a Brizvo. It protects infants from lower respiratory tract disease caused by RSV through their first six months of life. RSV is this common respiratory virus. It usually results in mild symptoms, but it can be serious in infants, young children, and older adults. Each year, up to 80,000 children under five are hospitalized with RSV. This is according to the CDC. And that makes it the leading cause of hospitalization among infants. A study of 7,400 women in 18 countries found that the vaccine was 82% effective at preventing severe disease in infants during their first three months of life and 70% effective in the first six months. Last year, RSV emerged earlier than usual and overwhelmed many children's hospitals, showing how a bad season constrained the country's ability to care for severely ill kids. And despite the fact that it's only late August, Jill, there are already signs that RSV has started to pop up around the country. So that's something people need to be on the lookout for. This vaccine, if it sounds familiar, was approved back in May for adults over the age of 60. That's the other age bracket that is hard hit by RSV. So it's already available for them for this upcoming season. Pfizer says it has been manufacturing the shot ahead of the approval for uh, pregnant moms and expects to have enough supply to meet the demand here. Though the vaccine will not be available on pharmacy shelves for pregnant women immediately. It's still waiting an evaluation from an expert panel at the CDC. It's got to get the CDC director's sign off. So that process could take weeks or possibly months. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, staying with health news here, authorities across the country are closely tracking now three new COVID variants that are now spreading across the country. Now, while levels of COVID hospitalization and deaths for now remain far, far below those peaks that we saw 
uh, past summers, past winters, they have been climbing ever so slightly over the course of the past few weeks. Public health officials have said that they are well-equipped for the latest seasonal uptick in the virus. But the appearance of a new highly mutated variant has raised some questions among virus trackers about what the coming months could hold. Uh, We're going to tell you about these three variants right now. I'll tell you about two. Jill will tell you about the new one. So there's the EG5 variant. That's the dominant variant right now in the U.S. and makes up the largest share of the cases. About one in five people who have COVID have the EG5 variant. There's another similar one called the FL151. I feel like they're sounding like uh, interstates now. The FL151 is the other variant. Now, both the EG5 and FL151 are from the Omicron family. You might remember the Omicron family. Uh, And there are no indications that these EG5 or the 151 here have any worse symptoms than any of the previous Omicrons that we saw. It's funny, when you were thinking interstates, I, for some reason, was thinking alcohol, like 151 sounded like some sort of alcohol. Bacardi 151. (laughs) I I don't know what does more damage based on that assessment, FL 151 COVID or Bacardi 151. And then there is this other strain that they are tracking. It is called BA 286. While only a small handful of cases have been spotted around the world, including one in Michigan, the strain's large number of mutations at some key parts of the virus has accelerated investigations into the risk it could pose. It's also too early to talk about symptoms, uh, but in one case in Michigan, an older gentleman who did have BA286, it did not cause him hospitalization. And it did not uh, for cases abroad either. Health authorities say they expect the upcoming rollout of the new COVID-19 vaccine and booster shots next month will work for EG5 and FL151 as well, since they're closely related to that previous Omicron variant, which the shots were targeted to, but not clear how well that new mutation is going to do, given just how different it is. Yeah, just a reminder here, since we're a little removed from our sort of covid day-by-day coverage, one of the variants has to basically become the dominant variant, has to take over, has to spread quicker than the other variants. And since Omicron appeared, there's been subvariants of Omicron, but basically Omicron's been dominating for a while now. That's why they're watching BA286 because they're like, where did this one come out of with all these mutations? We don't know much about it, but again, anecdotally, it doesn't seem worse than Omicron as far as symptoms for the average person. But of course, when it comes to small children, when it comes to the elderly, when it comes to the people who have uh, immunosuppression in some way, that's always concerning. And so we'll keep you up to date on that. But you know, as we knew, COVID ain't going away anytime soon. So we'll keep you up to date here. All right, we have a lot more to get to, including some breaking news on the politics front in this speed read. But Jill, let's first get to our newest Mo News partner, Shopify. They have a new deal for all of you listeners out there, whether you're a business owner or have something you make as a hobby that you're looking to sell. If you haven't heard of Shopify, you may have heard this sound before. And that's the sound of another sale being made using Shopify. If you're a business owner like me, you're always looking for solutions to get your products out there to as many people as possible. Shopify is the commerce platform that is revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. We're looking to launch some Mo News merch this fall, actually soon in the coming weeks, Jill. We have some exciting news for everyone. And we will be looking to use Shopify as our hub. Whether you're an entrepreneur making your way on Facebook Marketplace or you're big and you're IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business. has a great checkout also that converts browsers to buyers. So right now, Shopify has a special deal for the Mo News community. You sign up for their just $1 per month trial period 
over at shopify.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, all lowercase. That is Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y, shopify.com slash monews to take your business to the next level today. And we are always talking about health trends and food trends here on the podcast and just how hard it is to get all of your nutrients. Well, one way to try to get all of the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 Powder. I have AG1 in the mornings. It's just one scoop with a glass of water. It's easy and quick, and it lets you get on with your day. Knowing that you have gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals, it also has pre and probiotics that support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens has given Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. Visit drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or just try it one time for just a month. Again, that is drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. Time now for the speed read from Reuters. Former President Trump will face a $200,000 bond and orders not to send threatening social media messages as the former U.S. president awaits trial in Georgia on felony charges of trying to overturn his 2020 election loss. This is all according to a court filing on Monday that documents a bond agreement signed by Trump's attorneys and Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis sets out release terms, including restrictions on intimidating witnesses and obstructing justice. He, along with 18 other indicted allies, need to surrender by noon this Friday. And late on Monday, he said that he'll be surrendering on Thursday, writing on social media, quote, can you believe it? I'll be going to Atlanta on Thursday to be arrested. He wrote arrested in all caps. Prosecutors of the case have proposed that the trial start on March 4th of 2024. Trump's lawyers have asked for a trial date in 2026. The bond sheet states that he was also directed to make no direct or indirect threat of any nature against the community, including posts on social media or reposts of posts made by another individual on social media. Yeah, he tends to do that. So they, I guess they're trying to cover their bases there. Jill, the reason why his lawyers have thrown out 2026 as a trial date is they say, well, Fonnie Willis took two years to prepare her case. We would like two years to prepare our case. She has a, a very aggressive timeline. She would like to try this in six months. This is a racketeering case, which is not built for speed. So it remains to be seen whether she can actually get it started in the spring. Uh, meanwhile, we're watching a big debate this week, in addition to what happens with that fourth indictment in Georgia. And it appears, based on NBC News, that Trump has already recorded his interview with ex-Fox News host Tucker Carlson. They intend to use that interview as counter-programming against the big presidential debate tomorrow night. That'll happen. The debate will from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. It's unclear how uh, Tucker will be rolling it out, but he has been rolling out interviews over on Twitter. I guess it's known as X now. Still have to get used to that. But Trump is skipping the debate and doing his own thing. He feels that he has a very large lead and doesn't want to give attention to any of these other folks running against him. Polling shows Trump can do what he wants right now. He appears to be coasting. We had another poll out on Monday, this out of Iowa. This is from the Des Moines Register and NBC. This is one of the more reliable polls, uh, historically speaking. And in Iowa, according to this poll, Trump enjoys more than a 20-point lead over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis among likely Iowa Republican caucus goers. So the challenge is really overwhelming for DeSantis and the rest of these candidates tomorrow night at the debate. 
It looks like there will be eight people on stage not named Trump. That'll be DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, Asa Hutchinson. He's the former Arkansas governor who has squeaked into the debate uh, and former VP Mike Pence. Two others claim they qualified. Uh, Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, another businessman named Perry Johnson. Doesn't look like the RNC thinks so, though, based on the latest reporting. So it'll be eight folks on stage. There's another congressman named Will Hurd, a former CIA agent, uh, who appeared he was near qualifications, but again, didn't qualify here. But some of the issues we'll be looking for responses on tomorrow night for the eight who do qualify and will be on stage. Immigration, abortion bans. There's been a big debate over a federal abortion ban post Roe v. Wade. Some candidates supporting as much as a six-week abortion ban nationally. So expect questions on that. Ukraine support. Right now, the Republican Party appears to be completely split when it comes to continuing their support for Ukraine. And then, of course, how any of these folks will deal with Trump, whether they'll support him, should he become the nominee, uh, and questions about him. Because even without his literal presence, Trump is still there. From Axios, firearm deaths among children in the U.S. hit a new record high in 2021, according to a study published Monday in the journal Pediatrics. The study is based on CDC data, and it points to the worsening of an already distressing trend after guns became the leading cause of death for children for the first time in 2020. The number of children from birth up until age 19 killed by guns in 2021 was higher than any year since 1999, which was the first year that the CDC started to track the data. There were just under 4,800 pediatric firearm deaths in 2021, a nearly 9% increase from the year before. Between 2018 and 2021, the pediatric firearm death rate rose more than 41%. Nearly 50% of children who died by firearms in 2021 were Black, and Black children accounted for the greatest increase in the death rate from 2020 to 2021, according to the study. Yeah, the study shows that the death rate was 11 times higher for black children compared with white children. Uh, it represents the largest disparity gap in the four years of this study, which is a study of the CDC numbers. Uh, breaking out the gun deaths here by the age, Jill, in 2021, 153 kids under the age of four were killed, 138 kids ages five to nine. Uh, that number is actually double that age group, the five to nine group in just the past four years. 534 kids ages 10 to 14. And the overwhelming number... Uh, nearly 4,000 kids ages 15 to 19. Firearm deaths were up in all age categories. And it does come at a time when we also saw a record number of gun sales in recent years, especially during the pandemic. That's something we've reported on uh, in several podcasts recently. Also from Axios, a manufacturing job boom in the United States. Roughly 200,000 to 250,000 new manufacturing jobs could be added in the U.S. over the next two years. This is according to a new estimate from Goldman Sachs. The increase amounts to about 2% of current manufacturing employment levels, and it's partly because of the incentives and investments for the semiconductor and green technology sectors. In some recent laws passed by the Biden White House and Congress, and that includes the Inflation Reduction Act, which just had its one-year anniversary, and the Chips and Science Act. Construction of factories and other structures has shot up over the past year after the passage of these laws. Spending on the equipment that's going to go inside all of those new facilities is expected to be even greater than the money spent constructing the buildings themselves. And all of that new stuff requires workers. 
Right. And the question is, is, is there enough? Because the spending on these factories, these manufacturing plants, um, is a lot. $65 billion over a couple of years. Uh, based on typical calculations, that could be up to almost 600,000 new jobs. That is, if there's people to fill those jobs. So we've been talking about reshoring, which is all the supply chain issues we had in recent years with the pandemic, uh, concerns about instability in places like Ukraine, Taiwan, et cetera, has meant that a lot of companies want to bring jobs back home. It's also become a priority for the Trump administration, a priority for the Biden administration. So there's been a lot of investment here. But with the uh, question as to whether there's enough workers here, not all those jobs will come directly to the U.S. So there's reshoring to the U.S., but then there's what they call friendshoring uh, or nearshoring, meaning the jobs will go to places like Mexico or South America, places nearby the U.S., Friend shoring. I, <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that one. Jill, if you can't reshore the jobs, you send them to friends. <laughs> All right. From ESPN, we told you yesterday about Spain's victory in the Women's World Cup. Today, a follow up on an incident that has authorities there calling for the head of the Spanish Soccer Federation to be fired. Royal Spanish Football Federation President Luis Rubiales has admitted that he, quote, made a mistake by giving Spain star Jennifer Hermosa an unwanted kiss on the lips after she received her gold medal following that team's Women's World Cup final victory over England on Sunday. He has faced widespread criticism for the incident. Politicians are labeling his behavior unacceptable, simply disgusting. In a video statement, he has said, quote, there is an event which I have to regret, which is everything that happened between the player and I with a magnificent relationship between the two of us, the same as with the others. I surely made a mistake in a moment of elation without any intention of bad faith. Well, what happened happened, I think, in a very spontaneous way. I repeat, there was no bad faith between either of the two of us. That apology came after Spain's Minister for Culture and Sport described his actions as unacceptable on Monday. What's interesting is Rubiales actually initially dismissed the entire thing, called everyone who was criticizing him a bunch of idiots, uh, but then recognized in that later statement after getting all the backlash that people have felt hurt by it, in his words. Rubiales, so this incident took place in the middle of the stage, in the middle of the stadium, after the championship. They're having the award ceremony. The Queen of Spain is up there. The Australian Prime Minister is up there. They hosted. The uh, head of the soccer world governing body, FIFA, is up there. And Rubiales is up there. And they're congratulating the players as they're coming up. Uh, in this case, Rubiales is giving a lot of them kisses on the cheek. You know, pretty traditional fare, I guess, for him and these players, according to folks there. But then he uh, pins a kiss on the lips on Hermoso. She was playing it back on an Instagram video uh, and said she didn't like it in a later Instagram live as people are talking about it in the locker room. She is, by the way, Spain's leading career goal scorer. And so then you had Rubiales dismiss it. Then you had Rubiales apologize for it. Hermoso, for her uh, part here, downplayed Rubiales' behavior on Monday, saying the kiss was, quote, no big deal. And she blamed the emotion of the moment. It was a mutual, totally spontaneous gesture because of the huge joy of winning the World Cup. He and I have a great relationship. It was a natural gesture of affection, she says. Uh, and so that's what she's saying here. Of course, uh, you know, uh, clearly even Rubiales acknowledges he probably shouldn't have done that in the middle of the stage there. So it remains to be seen sort of what happens to him out of this whole thing. But he is known as a pretty eccentric 
character, apparently. And from People, Rihanna is officially a mom of two. The singer and her partner, ASAP Rocky, have welcomed their second baby together. The couple already parents to son Rizza, who's 15 months old. The pair announced the singer's second pregnancy during her Super Bowl halftime show. Jill, remember that one? I do. I totally missed it because I just thought she had kind of like that postpartum baby bump, which I still have a year after my son was born. And no, turns out she's actually was pregnant. (laughs) So again, Rihanna played up that big pregnancy reveal in the opening moments of her performance in February, rubbing her stomach and leaving the zipper of her outfit, a jumpsuit layered over a close fitting bodysuit and sculpted bandeau uh, down to reveal her belly. So TMZ is saying this is also a boy with an R name. We don't know the exact name yet. Uh, Major props to her, by the way. They're uh, 15 months apart. Uh, My brother and I actually are 14 months apart, Irish twins as well. So I know she has a challenge ahead for her, but I know she's been very excited um, for this. I wanted to play this clip, Jill, and this is a clip we played back during the Super Bowl coverage from January ahead of the Super Bowl that speaks to her talking about motherhood. When you become a mom, there's something that just happens where you feel like you could take on the world, you can do anything. And the Super Bowl is one of the biggest stages in the world. So as scary as that was, because I haven't been on stage in seven years, there's something exhilarating about the challenge of it all. So now she has double the superpower. <laughs> yeah, and double the amount what of What will she do work. with it? <laughs> Also in that interview um, where she talks about being a mom and having that superpower, she talks about wanting her son to see her perform. And I totally relate to that because I actually love that my daughter comes in and gets to see me do the podcast. And when people ask her what she wants to be when she grows up, she'll, she'll, you know, she gives the occasional like princess dancer answer, but she also says she wants to have a podcast, which I take as one of the highest compliments and very cool just that she sees me working. And we, we already have her working, right? We have <laughs> yes. her at the end of the podcast every day, your daughter. She does have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> She's crushing her classmates at podcasting right now. Uh, very good point. All right, now time for On This Day in History. We're going to begin in Jill's whereabouts. On this day, August 22nd, 1776, the British arrived on Long Island. General William Howe's large army came to Long Island hoping to capture New York City and gain control of the Hudson River, a victory that would divide the colonies in half. Five days later, this is fun for those with New York geographic knowledge, they would march to Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights, where I am actually, overcoming the Americans in Gowanus. This is why it's kind of annoying slash interesting, depending on who you are, to go around New York City with me, because I'll point these things out. Anyway, (laughs) so the British march from Long Island to Brooklyn. Uh, General Washington uh, is defeated. He retreats to Manhattan by boat. The British actually, it turns out, could have captured him, taken the entire leadership that early on in the war. But they wanted to negotiate with the rebels, so they did not take out Washington and the leadership. But the British would capture New York City. It would remain in British hands until the end of the war. But the Patriots would eventually get their act together and eventually defeat the Brits down in Yorktown, Virginia. So think about that next time you come to work uh, in Brooklyn, Jill. You're marching like the Brits were in 1776. And you think about that, Mosh, the next time you head out to Long Island. (laughs) (laughs) The reverse. I'm doing what George Washington couldn't in 1776. All right, fast forward to the 19th century. The U.S. annexed New Mexico today, 176 years ago. Uh, Welcome, New Mexico. 1865, on this day, a guy by the name of William Shepard received the first patent for liquid soap. 
So liquid soap, 158 years old. And now to On This Day in 1932, the BBC began its first television broadcast in England. Uh, always love, Jill. I don't know if you remember the little beep, beep, beep they have before they begin their early broadcasts. Uh, if you ever are abroad or you get it at home, it's like beep. Beep, yes. beep. <laughs> <laughs> from the BBC in London. Anyway, uh, iconic, iconic BBC. A couple of music history items on this day in history. Actually, on this day, 43 years ago, on this day in 1980, two big hits were released. Queen releases Another One Bites the Dust, and Diana Ross releases I'm Coming Out. Both classics. And two more modern classic. Taking it back to Brooklyn here for a second. Jay-Z, 25 years ago, alongside Ja Rule, releases on this day in 1998. Can I get a... What? <laughs> Depending on uh, who's in the car, you can listen to the explicit version. We gave you the clean version. <laughs> All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. We would really appreciate it. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. And we have some exciting things prepared for the debate this week for the Mo News Premium community. So be on the lookout for that. You can join over at mo.news slash premium. We have a special deal right now, Mo News Trial. Try us free for 30 days. I'll be doing live coverage, watching the debate live on Instagram. You can ask questions. We'll do commentary um, throughout. We also, for everybody, have a bingo card available to you to follow along for the debate. Because it'll be two hours of your Wednesday night and you deserve a bingo card. So we'll have that for you out in the next day. Keep a lookout over on Instagram for that. All right. Bye, everyone. Later. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.